53. We're starting chapter 16, Divine and Demoniac Natures. And uh, if you remember chapter 15, which is called Attaining the uh, Supreme, or Purushottam Yoga, um, described the material energy as being very entangling. And then Krishna said we should um, cut ourselves off from this temporary tree and attain to uh, the eternal kingdom uh, through the weapon of detachment. And then Krishna uh, quickly um, jumped into describing our constitutional position as part and parcel of him, but we're struggling very hard with the six senses, which include the mind. So he starts talking about that. And then he starts talking about himself, Purushottam, and his glories, um, and how through the process of devotional service um, we can attain this, uh, this supreme position. So it's an interesting segue into uh, this chapter, chapter 16, because chapter 16 is going to describe um, some of the, the processes to uh, attain this level of detachment that Krishna was talking about, and also to attain um, devotional service, which they go hand in hand um, for a spiritualist, for a bhakti yogi, detachment and, and devotional service go hand in hand. And uh, he does this by um, describing the qualities that we attain when we make progress on the spiritual path. He describes those qualities. And then he describes the unwanted qualities that um, arise within the conditioned living entity due to misuse of his free will in this world. And so not only do these qualities um, arise from a spiritual practice, but they're intrinsic to the nature of the spiritual world. And so they're extremely important. Um, so some of the importance um, was described. Where are we at? So we're starting in chapter 16. This is chapter 16, verses 1 through 10. So here's describing the importance of, the qual of these, these godly qualities. So in the beginning of the 15th chapter, the banyan tree of this material world was explained. The extra roots coming out of it were compared to the activities of living entities, some auspicious, some inauspicious. In the ninth chapter also, the devas are godly, and the asuras, the ungodly or demons, were explained. Now, according to Vedic rites, activities in the mode of goodness are considered auspicious for progress in the path of liberation, and such activities are known as daivi prakriti, transcendental by nature. Those who are situated in the transcendental nature make progress on the path of liberation. For those who are acting in the modes of passion and ignorance, on the other hand, there is no possibility of liberation. Either they will have to remain in the material world as human beings, or they will descend among the species of animals or even lower life forms. In the 16th chapter, the Lord explains both the transcendental nature and its attendant qualities, and the demoniac nature and its qualities. He also explains the advantages and disadvantages of these qualities. So the transcendental qualities are conducive to liberation, whereas the demoniac qualities make for bondage. Do not worry, Krishna says, O son of Pandu, for you are born with the divine qualities. So this gives rise to thinking, how do we, how do we have these qualities? Why do we have these particular qualities we have? Well, if we go back to chapter 3 in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna explains that uh, we're born with a particular nature, and we act according to that nature. And a living being cannot cease acting even for a moment. So he actually summarizes in that point that um, acting um, separate from um, devotional service is bondage in this world. But, but acting to, uh, to give and, and sacrifice to please Vishnu is a cause of liberation. But the point is in this chapter is how do we change uh, our conditioned nature. That's, that's the difficulty. Because, um, like also it says in the third chapter of Bhagavad Gita, it says that prakriti kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvashaham. That the spirit soul, bewildered by the influence of the three modes, thinks himself the doer of activities, but they're actually carried out by the modes of nature. So, which, this, is, this is a very powerful point. Right? All of a sudden, we're, we're, we're thinking, I thought I had free will, <laughs> right? 
But he's saying, oh, actually, you weren't really doing much. <laughs> you actually weren't doing anything. You were being carried by the nature that you've acquired from the three modes. He was earlier saying, then you, you will act according to the nature that you've acquired from the modes of nature, and you can't cease for acting. And bewildered by the false ego, we think that we're doing, but actually we're being carried by the modes of nature. Which makes sense, too, because it's like, uh, you know, your real self, your spirit, your real spirit soul wouldn't be acting out these things that aren't good for us. So it makes sense that it's the material nature that does it. That's a good point, because the soul is the actor, right? And so when the soul is dormant, dormant in this body, um, being given over by... Um, wanting to have a experience separate from God, and the soul is more or less um, inactive and and not even conscious. That, that's the idea about Krishna consciousness. It means we we all we awaken to our ability to uh, to free freely act um, in a loving exchange, as opposed to being dragged by um, the mind and senses in this world. It reminds me of how they. Uh... I think they like asked Prabhupada once, they were like, don't you feel like you're holding these devotees in the temple, almost like a jail or something? And he said, no, they're, they're liberated outside of the temple. It's where people are in bondage or yeah, in right. jail, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it just, it's like that same thing. It, it reminds me of like, you know, Jesus is on the mountain with the devil or whatever, where he's like, you know, I can do the whole world. It's like, okay can have the whole world but you won't have freedom that's a great point yeah because it's like like what if you had everything like you're the richest person in the world but you had a miserable miserable experience but what if you had just a tiny little room and you're happy mm-hmm. um, so that shows that the freedom lies in um, awakening to our dormant God consciousness and we can be in bondage. We're in bondage not by uh, physical boundaries, but by our mind, by our conditioned mind and senses. Like how they say that you that um, one can be liberated even like before passing from body, like you know gurus or whatever. It's like there are they're like some of them are already liberated, or maybe all of them, even in this physical body, you know, because of how how much they've done, you know. Yeah, it's like they're already living liberated. They're just waiting for the past body to, you know. Because the spiritual spark can actually drive this body, because this is all like the body is is also made out of God's energy. So we as a soul can also drive these these bodies. And so what then? What is it? Then the question is, what is material? Material is our consciousness, right? Because like this is God's energy. And everything around us is God's energy. And the mind is not bad, because remember Krishna also says in Bhagavad Gita that the mind can be your best friend. Mm-hmm. So the mind's not bad. So the question of, of Maya or illusion is not in um, uh, our environment, but it's in, it's in our uh, consciousness. It's in our uh, inability to, to understand who we are, to act as a soul. So yeah, even in the body, um, as we develop our Krishna consciousness, we, we see around us so many devotees, like wonderful devotees, who all they know now is Krishna, and all they do is service. So they're, they're liberated souls. Um, like they, like how some of them seem like so carefree in what they say, but they always say the right thing. You know, it's like, they, they just, they can act without even like thinking because they're, They're just in that flow. It's intrinsic. It's not yeah. Something contrived. It's just who they are. Uh-huh. Like Jai Pataka Maharaj, he, his face is paralyzed on one side of his face. And uh, he's just completely ecstatic, liberated soul. Like he's ecstatic. <laughs> when you listen to him talking, you can hardly, you, he has to have a translator because you can't understand what he's saying, really. And he's just like getting, he's like a waves of nectar pouring mm-hmm. from him. And uh, he's, you can you can feel his ecstasy even through you know a TV camera. Like is a he screen. still around? Is he? Yeah. 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 He's he's still around. He's preaching. He's going from 
program to program. Who is that? Yeah. His name is Jayapataka Swami. He's a really famous one. Yeah, he's a famous guru. He was one of Prabhupada's early sannyasis, and he basically was the, the front person that developed Mayapur. Mm. And he's from, you know, he's from the United States. Uh, but he's actually from, you know, the spiritual world. He's <laughs> not of this world. Mm. Yeah. But, but you see someone like that, you're like, this person is more free than, you know, the wealthiest, most famous person who doesn't have God consciousness. Because you can see that they're, they're just, their soul is right in tune with their divine nature. Um, so this is what chapter 16 is. Chapter 16 is about what do those qualities look like? Like what do those qualities look like when we start making progress in the path? And then on the other hand, what do the other qualities look like when we turn away from God? Which we're all familiar with because we've been in this world and we've experienced, we've experienced that, so... You were going to say something? Uh, oh, just that, like, just adding to what you are saying about him and how, like, it, it's almost like, like, in his case, it's like it doesn't even matter what the physical condition is when the soul is, like, ignited, like a time where you can just see right through whatever, you know, you say, like, half his face is, like, you know, droopy, whatever, and it's just, like, it, when the soul's activated, you, that's what you see. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. And he feels spiritually enlivened, like being in that some person like that's association, because mm-hmm. it's contagious. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to also discuss that because Krishna was saying, okay, you need detachment. And then one of the, the main focuses in chapter 16 is, is that to attain the godly qualities, we have to follow um, the Shastras. Chapter 16 is, is really um, focused on following God's way, God's rules. But then how do you get inspired to do that? So I think admitting that I feel for me it's like like I come to the point of being like I don't know what I'm doing, you know. Like I need, <laughs> I yeah. need someone else's advice that, that knows more. You know? Yeah, and that's that's the point, is that's how how was Arjuna inspired? Because Arjuna was felt the same way, so he took shelter of Krishna. So see, like if if we understand so Krishna's giving us the benefit of doing this, and he's inspiring. He's inspiring us to do that. For Lama Maharaj, he, he describes the, the um, I believe he's described, well, he describes the nine processes of devotional service. And I think he describes the nine stages. But the nine stages of devotional service are there in the Bhagavatam. And um, they start with um, faith. So, like Arjuna, he didn't have faith in himself, he was bewildered. So, he took shelter of Krishna. So, it started with faith. And then Sadhu Sangha. So faith and then association. So he was had faith and he didn't take shelter of himself, his own mind and senses. He had association with Krishna. He was the original guru, Krishna, right? So from Shraddha, faith, and Sadhu Sangha, then you're inspired to do devotional service. Because Krishna throughout the Bhagavad Gita is saying, This is the way, this is the way to go. That's why he jumped from, okay, to get out of this this reflected banyan tree of the material energy, we have to cut it down with a weapon of detachment. And then he starts talking about himself. Why does he start talking about himself? Because that, that, is, the, that is the method to break free, to have detachment. Like we can't superficially detach because we're talking about how strong our nature is inclined in a certain way. Like literally, it's pulling us. We have to replace it. Yeah. So he starts talking about, that's why it's called Purushottam Yoga. Yoga means connecting with the divine. So the, the detachment happens through devotional service. Um, and that's also mentioned in, in the Srimad Bhagavatam as a byproduct of devotional service is, is detachment. Uh, knowledge, jnana, and uh, detachment. Vairagya. So, so then, then this is the qualities that develop that Krishna is describing and is done, is done through devotional service. And we're, we're inspired to practice devotional service through Sadhu Sangha. So that's like, because the question you were answering me on Facebook, it's directly in relation to that. Because how do we, how do we get um, inspired to, um, to serve and, and, and to, to be on the path of love of God, to love God, and that's through um, catching the disease of spiritual enlightenment. 
from the devotees. From, and, but so the nectar of instruction of Rupa Goswami, he's giving the different classes of devotees, and he's saying there's a particular type of devotee that we should dedicate our life to and service to, and that's, that's the devotee who, um, who undeviatingly deviatingly has um, given themselves to the Lord. And they're like Uttama Adhikari. Um, and and, he's, and the, the different symptoms of Uttama Adhikari are described. Um, like they, they, they see all living entities as greater than themselves. <laughs> like they feel like everybody's a better devotee than I am. And uh, like that, that's the type of... And then Nishta. Nishta is a really important one, which means steadiness. We see, we've seen that they've proven their devotion over time. Like Nick and I were talking about... Um, like what the actual word devotion means. It means being devoted. So we see, we see devotees who have given themselves um, in the parampara to the service of their spiritual master. And, and they develop these, some, a lot of these qualities. We see these qualities in them. Um, and they've been serving for a long time. And that's the type of person that we want to, according to you know, Sri Rupa Goswami, we want to give our life to and service to. Like he's saying to pay respect to all living entities, um, to offer dandavat, to offer obeisances to those who've taken spiritual initiation, and then to like, give our life to that um, soul who's undeviatingly uh, surrendered to the Supreme Personality of Godhead and develop these godly qualities. So, did you it seems something? like the biggest uh, challenge that like being uh, seeing yourself is, you know. Like, lo- like lower than other entities or whatever because it's like that's the goal like the humility but like the fine line between that and then like not uh, you know be- becoming like uh, like victim mentality mm-hmm. or you know what I mean or passive yeah. also yeah. like not acting because I, I mean one thought I had is not doing anything because you think well what I have to offer shouldn't be witnessed by other people or it's not worth bringing to other people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it's like a yeah. like a fine line, yeah. you know. It's like it's yeah. like seeing yourself as that but then still enough confidence where you're not like going overboard with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's where like a really good conversation comes in about what, what humility means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because oftentimes because we have so many um, like charlatan spiritualists, sometimes we we've been like tricked into thinking like humility is a certain way. Mm-hmm. But think about this. Arjuna was humble, but he had to kill like the whole army at the court. Yeah, perfect example. So like, right. how, do you, how do you be humble and kill, kill people? And be the strongest warrior on the battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> so humility is, humility is actually, humility means, well, there's different definitions Prabhupada gave. He has one definition is, is not um, wanting, the, uh, wanting the distinction of being honored by others. That's one, one definition. That's a tough one. Yeah, these are. This, that's I mean, the thing. Probably for me, especially because I'm a Leo. <laughs> well, that's the thing about reading these qualities is that we we can aspire. We can aspire for for these qualities because they're so high, they're so elevated, and 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 also the way that these qualities develop, all good qualities. It says in the Bhagavatam, all good qualities come unto those who who have uh, who have uh, developed um, the life of devotional service. So through devotional service, all the Good qualities of the demigods develop. I have a question about yeah. that. Yeah. You're saying that it's a natural outcome. It's not something that we we intentionally cultivate, or is it a little bit of both, or a little bit of intention and also a byproduct? It's in, that's a really good question because intention is is part of a part of our devotional life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, because we're we're persons, we always have the ability of minute independence. Um, and, and, that, and that independence sometimes is executed with a temporary loss of independence. Like for instance, somebody goes against the laws of the state and then they're imprisoned. So they use their independence to temporarily lose some independence. So like in the lower species of life, the animals are just going through an experience. They don't have the, the independent free will to create karma and to form their destiny. Um, so like, Part, part and parcel of our, our surrendering to God in the human form is um, cultivating um, good desires. And, and cultivating good desires means... Um, I've heard the devotee say it really nicely, like to take a personal inventory. 
about ourselves, like how we're doing and like what what is my intention um, for you know doing the different like occupation in my life or uh, different activities in my life like and so yeah we we try we'll try but um, the processes given are the real medicine does that make sense yeah. it's kind of like we have the tools available but we have to pick them up mm-hmm. and like utilize them like the medicine is there yeah. but we have to we have to take the medicine i think about um one of the qualities which is freedom from anger which is something that I sh- yeah. um, something that I struggle with <laughs> anger now and then. So I know it's something that I, I have to watch myself about and intend or intentionally choose a different way of looking at things. But I'm also hoping that that freedom from anger comes as an as a natural byproduct from my devotional service. Right. So would it be a little bit of both, like what you're talking about? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, we try. Um, but it's kind of like people try, but what capacity, what capacity do they have? What happens with Krishna consciousness is we develop more capacity to do it. Like whereas before, it's kind of like when we're under the grip of the modes of nature, um, we're more or less, we're, we're, just, we're just being pulled by our, by our nature to do so many different things. But it's actually said that like, like the, in, the, in the stars, our destiny is written, right? And that's reflected on our palm. Through, through the process of devotional service, um, those lines can change, actually. Our destiny shifts because all of a sudden, um, through the mercy of God, um, we've, we've been given the capacity, we've been given qualities to, uh, to transform our destination, where we're going. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, Krishna basically like empowers us because we're, you know, surrendering. So he empowers us to be better people. You know, like like the opposite would be, um, you know, when you, you take drugs or whatever, you, you lose so much your power, and you know you end up being like the worst parts of yourself a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, so it's like instead of the opposite, we go towards Krishna. And then he, through his power, helps take away like what they call like anarthas. Yes. Yeah. So it's like. So it's, it's through the power of spiritual strength. Actually, it's interesting because we oftentimes hear about people that become vegan or vegetarian, but because they don't have a deeper reason why they're doing it, we hear later on, oh, this person's you know eating meat again. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't think of how many times I've heard that, but when it's sustained through spiritual strength, that's, uh, that's the mercy of God. Because we couldn't do that, we couldn't sustain um, these practices without a deeper reason for doing them. Someone might have you know, the karma to be vegetarian their whole life and never take to Krishna consciousness. They might have that karma. But if we had, if we had the karma to be a meat eater and then we give up meat for our whole life, that's the power of spiritual strength. Like we have, we can have direct perception of, of these transformative qualities within us, which is amazing. Because those qualities could not be changed just based on our own endeavor. Like those qualities are, are, are changed because of God's mercy. The material energy is too powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's the process of religion means that we can be empowered to, to change our destiny, basically where otherwise it was not possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why Krishna is saying, if you're not acting according to, to my way, to my way of transformation, then you're going to be bound in this world. And then he's giving like all these symptoms of these demonic types of persons that are just like, you know, it's hellish like, to hear about. Were you reading some of these? Yeah. Yeah. I've been some of those. <laughs> well, we all, in the yeah. Past. That's, that's, our, that's our state here. I mean, that's, that's the status quo of Kali Yuga. Yeah. yeah. From what are you talking about? What are you okay, so let's read. Yeah, let's read. Maybe let's read a few of these. Let's see. So, chapter 16.
So these are the godly qualities. The Supreme Personality of God had said, fearlessness, purification of one's existence, cultivation of spiritual knowledge, charity, self-control, performance of sacrifice, study of the Vedas, austerity, simplicity, nonviolence, truthfulness, freedom from anger, renunciation, tranquility, aversion to fault-finding, compassion for all living entities, freedom from covetousness, gentleness, modesty, steady determination, vigor, forgiveness, fortitude, cleanliness, and freedom from envy and from the passion for honor. These transcendental qualities of Son of Bharata belong to godly men endowed with divine nature. It's like an overwhelming amount of perfectness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's wonderful. So... Pride, arrogance, conceit, anger, harshness, ignorance, these qualities belong to those of demonic nature, O son of Priti. The transcendental qualities are conducive to liberation, whereas the demoniac qualities make for bondage. Do not worry, O son of Pandu, for you are born with the divine qualities. So we all have a certain starting point, you know, like we're, we're born into the world with a particular type of karma. And so some people have a better, easier starting point than others. You can see some people have a more difficult mind to break through, right? So, so we have a more auspicious situation to begin spiritual life. But no one's precluded, and everybody can benefit in so different some ways. Some people born with the, maybe born with some of the more transcendental qualities, or you said that could be a product of karma, or it's yeah, it's a product of of what we cultivated in our past lives. Okay. So, what that could be it's through spiritual point. touch. We could have touched devotees. We could have, mm. we could have been engaged on some. Uh, Vedic, genuine Vedic path. And so we had some better starting points, a more auspicious starting point. Yeah. Those who are demoniac do not know what is to be done and what is not to be done. Neither cleanliness nor proper behavior nor truth is found in them. See, one, one way you could say is the Vedas are the, um, the, the process of elevation. And there's different practices that we can take up According to the Vedas, like the Varnashram Dharma system, being situated, understanding and being situated in a proper Varna and Ashram, and behaving um, according to the principles of those ashrams. That's like the starting point of like genuine uh, Vedic culture and life on the path of elevation. And then, you know, giving up a fruit of mentality, uh, being situated in the mode of goodness, giving up working for, you know, profit and fame and for these, in the mode of passion, give, give those things up. And then, you know, start giving in charity, giving in charity. Uh, and then, ideally, starting to give the fruits of our work to Krishna. And even better than that is, you know, working for Krishna, directly doing seva, working for Krishna. And better than that is actually following the uh, devotional principles, like the positive spiritual practices and the restrictive practices. And, and from that platform of, of sadhana bhakti, um, we can awake, more, much more quickly awaken uh, the platform of love of God. So that's described by Krishna in the 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. The one that I noticed is seeming uh, pretty challenging, especially when you feel like you're making some advancement in Krishna consciousness, is uh, ceasing, well, just in general, to ceasing uh, fault finding. Mm-hmm. It's like such an one. easy thing to do, <laughs> especially when you think you're becoming more of a devotee it's like really easy for it's like you feel like you're getting rid of some of your ego and then it's like and then it'll feel like it comes back even stronger where you're like oh like i'm feeling like a devotee now and like why isn't (laughs) the rest of the world like you know like you know just get like puffed up basically yeah it's a big trap definitely for spiritualists brought all time it's pridefulness of our our spirituality Mm -hmm. Um, actually, uh, Rupa Goswami, he says that aversion to fault-finding is also one of the symptoms of the uh, Uttamadikari. So it's interesting that he specifically mentions this aversion to fault-finding is one of the symptoms of uh, the highest, highest class of devotees. I think why it's also really, like, it seemed really easy to fall into is because it's also like a defense mechanism, because you, it's like... I noticed when I was trying to become like a, a better devotee, it's uh, like um, you get, I 
feel like you get uh, like fearful of being pulled back more back into the material nature. So your way of dealing with it is like deme demeaning things and you know pissing stuff. Things. Yeah, fear. it's more fear. Yeah, because you're like you don't want to get pulled that direction. So instead of becoming stronger yourself, it's easier to just like talk, yeah. talk down and. I saw that happen with somebody uh, from San Diego, and he was trying to convince me to not be a devotee. And uh, because he, he, he was, you know, part of the temple, but he started, he tried to, you know, demean everything. You know, like, you know, this, this is, you know, this is, this Krishna consciousness isn't any big deal. No one cares about Krishna So we get, that's a really good point. If we, if we want to um, go against God and people of God, then the mind has a way of, minimizing like everything to do with with that practice or that process <laughs> and i was just thinking i was saying you know like it's very rare to be a person of god in this world so it's actually a good thing if it's rare right mm -hmm. it's like if you're if you're if you're doing something different you're doing something good then then that's uh that's a wonderful thing like if you're going if you're going with the flow of a very degraded culture then why would you want to be with the with the with the populace with a popular vote, that doesn't make any sense. So when when he was saying that, it was actually like strengthening. I was like, mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, that the society doesn't embrace that society at large doesn't embrace you know Krishna consciousness. That's a good thing. If they readily embrace that, I would think maybe there's something wrong with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, it's very rare to take to the process of genuine spiritual life, to take to you know devotional service, the most rare platform. Um, Prabhupada said, you said, if you, if you see there's a shop selling diamonds, there's not going to be a lot of customers. Most people, when they go shopping, they want something. They can only afford something cheap, or they're only going to pay for something cheap. But when you're, when you're selling God um, in a place where nobody wants God, you're not going to have very many customers. But it doesn't mean it's not the most treasured product. It is the most treasured product. It's just that no one wants to one wants to pay the price of putting their time and energy into cultivating spiritual life because they haven't yet realized the value of it. They're still thinking value is outside of that. That's, no, it's a, it's a really good point. Yeah, minimizing. Yeah, and even though I feel like you realize that, uh, that all of society is not you know, necessarily going to take to Krishna consciousness soon it's like there's still like a, a real uh, desire for that because like for, for me it's like you know here and there you'll see about the um, injustices of animals say you know and like just the other day I, I looked up on Google I was like you know what do you like how to start um, you know working for like for animals rights or whatever you know to do something about the injustice of animals and it's like there's basically PETA but it's you know it's not like there's any website that comes up that's like this is where you can go or what you can do to start like helping animals or whatever you know in general and that's why you know Krishna Prabhupada says you know it's like you, you water well, really the only thing you can do in a way is uh, you know water the, the tree and not all yeah. the leaves and that's what it reminds me of it's a great point because although most people won't won't take to the direct process of Krishna consciousness, we can see that society does transform through the processes. Like these qualities that are, we can see that society actually uh, starts developing holistically some of these qualities um, through the power of devotional service. So that's why Prabhupada said if one percent of the population become devotees, it will transform the whole world. That's what he said because because there are symptoms that come through yagya. Like uh, the kings, you know, of, of the Vedic times, they do these big yagyas, and the whole world would be purified mm. through those yagyas. But it doesn't necessarily mean that all the citizens are, are engaged in yagya. But you have these uh, qualified brahmanas, you know, performing uh, these religious practices according to the Vedas, and it's purifying for the whole atmosphere. So yeah, so uh, we actually take credit for vegetarianism. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah. that, that's the power of devotional service allows people's consciousness to be raised collectively mm -hmm. in society. 
to be able to have more feeling for these things. Because there's so many injustices, it's like, where do you turn? That's how it feels, mm -hmm. you know? You mm -hmm. see how many wrongs there are going on against animals and mm -hmm. all that. It's like, where, where do you start? What, I mean, yeah. it's like uh, all these things are so like held too in the way that they are with science and you know society's ways. It's like there's not there's not really much you can do about it. It seems like other than work on yourself and hope that that emanates out, like you're saying with those those uh, king those those sacrifices or whatever you're talking about fire sacrifices yeah. and whatnot. So, yeah, we have to we have to transform the hearts of people. Because like if somebody has a cruel mentality, you know, that cruelty is going to come out. We have a selfish, cruel mentality. But if we, we transfer the heart, form the hearts of people, because everything moves through cultural transformation, actually. Like there's a cultural shift. Like you have the people that, that move culture. They're like the, the movers and shakers that, 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 that form trends. And then you have the people that follow. So what we, we do um, is we, we try to form a trend of compassionate living. And, and once that becomes a cultural trend, then, you know, the, the cruel killer types, they don't, they won't show their head. Like, like Prabhupada was saying this morning in class, darkness cannot stand before the sun. Yeah, you know, good. like, you know, it's just like someone might be like a Nazi, but they're not going to go kill Jews though. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because culturally it's, detestable and they'll be they'll get the electric chair because it's not culturally accepted um, so we're trying to change the culture into line with God's law that's that's the that's the symptom of Kali Yuga is that man's law is vastly different than God's law <laughs> so even if we perfectly follow the laws of the land we're still breaking you know God's laws and so Krishna is saying these are this is what develops through breaking my laws this is the type of consciousness and behavior that arises from this. But if instead you follow the Vedas, starting with Varnashram Dharma, the, the samskaras, the purificatory process Prabhupada was talking about, starting with Garbhadhan, samskara, uh, before birth, and then haircutting ceremony, there's name-giving ceremony, ultimately initiation by a spiritual master. And, um, it reminds me of um, the, how we've seen um, like the physical practice of yoga come over to the West in such a big way over the last like 20 years or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And just like, it's just wild to, you know, meet so many people that do yoga, but like have probably never even heard of Krishna, you know? And so I guess what I think of, of a hope, hopefulness of that is that, that, maybe that's the first step of them and then mm -hmm. eventually they'll wonder oh why why am i doing yoga you know where did right. yoga come from yeah and so hopefully that like the amount of people that are practicing physical yoga maybe in hopefully you know 10 20 years all those japa. people that are just doing physical yoga will yeah be doing japa and actually in, in, uh, investigating what the root of them doing yoga is it's a great point, yeah. We want to transform the whole yoga scene and like teach the yoga teachers um, how to incorporate bhakti yoga into their practice. Because yeah. they have a big influence. And actually, there's two devotees. They're, they have a, a shop in Philadelphia, and they're just, they open up a place in Tucson. Hmm. And they do, they're, they're devotees, they're actually uh, disciples of Randaswami. And so they're going to have like a yoga studio, like a, a holistic like health store and yoga studio here in Tucson. And they're devotees of Krishna. Which means that if we can reach the yoga crowd, um, not just the, the people interested in yoga, but the yoga teachers, mm -hmm. to me, that's the way to go about it, is to do uh, teacher training, yoga teacher training. Mm -hmm. And they start teaching their students. Not, they, they don't have to change. You can still do hatha yoga, but incorporate bhakti yoga practices. Yeah, it's like how in a lot of yoga classes they'll do, you know, and they'll even um, use the... Harmonium? The harmonium. Um, yeah, well, they'll, or they'll do like, you know, uh, three ohms at the beginning uh -huh. and then like one ohm at the end. Like, right. can you imagine if 
everybody did, you know, one round at the exactly. beginning and one round at the edge. A little kirtan at the beginning, a little at the end. Exactly, that's exactly what we mean. And, and started talking about bhakti yoga. And, and mantra, because and, mm-hmm. you know, that is where I heard my first mantra was in yoga. Wow. <laughs> so, to, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a complete foreign thing when I came here to hear about that. So mm-hmm. I, I really do think going through the teachers so they can get that added education when they're talking about mantra and oh, mm-hmm. the power of that. And, yeah. yeah. So and introduce it to their students. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting in the West, you know, it reminds me of that Lord Chaitanya book about, you know, taking away impersonalism, how the West is just so filled with it that it's, um, you can almost use like the word like taboo to like talk about Krishna, you know, it's like people are almost like nervous of it because there's such a, you know, a resistance to it. It's like people... It's too religious, people feel it's too religious. Yeah. And then I would call it... Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. too... Yeah, too personal. So we have to re- rebrand. Not, not that we change anything Prabhupada gave, but repackage mm-hmm. some things. Because um, actually, we're having this discussion too. How do you go? Hi, Krishna. Just quick. Mother, you want to do this? Your is there. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, Different companies would, would have a bad name due to doing something um, that was like detrimental to their customers or something that gave them a bad reputation. And then they rebrand, get back out in the marketplace, and a few years people forget all about them. They say, oh, this is a nice company. They forgot all about the past company, but they, they changed something. So some, some of it is a way that we were able to present this um, in a way, like Prabhupada said, in like a needle and not like a plow. Mm. So we go in in such a way where, hey, like, this is sweet. Like, you know, introduce, make sure that, you know, keep, keep your yoga practice, but introduce, you know, gold yoga, which is bhakti. Mm. And you, if you recognize, you know, Pantanjali's um, yoga ladder, you know it reaches, it, 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 the head is bhakti. Everybody in the yoga world is, is bhakti. Mm. So then you talk about how, do you, did you know that the meditation that's, advised and recommended for the modern age is um, is chanting the sankirtan is, is harinam so this is a recommended meditation yoga practice in the ancient yoga text I said oh really like just like simple things mm-hmm. so I just add this chanting this is the yuga dharma the ancient yoga text the vedas yeah. they should know these things yeah. the brihanardiya purana that's where it says that there's no other way in this age to attain enlightenment than chanting you know, the names of, of Harit. I feel like that's somewhat uh, simple to explain to somebody because everybody can relate to how much distraction we have going on in our mind and it's Krishna's mercy, you know, understanding that and, the, and, and all the loud environments we're in that it's like you can't just meditate anymore that easily, you know. Yeah. So it's like that's why the mantra and the chanting makes sense because yeah. God's basically like, I understand your position yeah. and how right. tough you can't, it's so tough to just sit there and, you know, think about him. So it's like, it's, it's a, it's a great tool, you know, yeah. so it's like, I feel like it's not that hard to understand or to explain to somebody. It's really practical. Yeah, practical. And it's, it's kind of, it's pretty, it's attractive too. And like people are, like Kirtan's becoming more popular, the harmonium. Like we went, we, they had a yoga, they have a yoga fest that we have a book table at, at Reed Park now. I think they've had two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And one of the yoga teachers goes out there and does Kirtan with them in a big circle with the harmonium. I mean, that's how popular Kirtan's becoming. Mm-hmm. She's just a yoga teacher. She's not like, you know, a claimed devotee of Krishna or anything. But the point is it becomes culturally, it becomes part of the yoga scene. It's not that all of them are going to start chanting 16 rounds and you know, surrender to Prabhupada. That's for the Navy SEALs. <laughs> but, a lot, but they can still start culturally incorporating the Maha Mantra yes. and, and the, the language of Bhakti Yoga into the yoga scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, we're running out of time. I have, I have three people to share. I have um, Mari Mohini. Um, she shared. And then also Krishna Nam. He's not feeling well. And so he's also shared. And then I have my own that I'm going to share. You, did you share what you wanted to? I, I, 
You know, I didn't have anything to share today. Okay, but you shared some. I remember you shared something about the anger. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. You mean people Very that good. are online that are sharing? Is that um, yeah, because, well, Dr. Nam usually comes every week, but he sent his, um, his worksheet in for me to share. Mm-hmm. And then Mari Mohini's in Sedona, so she always sends it in every week. Um, okay, so I'm going to share Krishnanam Prabhu's first. And I have two minutes to do all this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. May Krishna empower me. <laughs> okay, so uh, his... Um, his discovery was uh, from Bhagavad Gita 16, 1-3 purport. The best sacrifice recommended in this age is called Sankirtan Yajna. This Sankirtan Yajna, the chanting of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, is the best and most inexpensive sacrifice. Everyone can adopt it and derive benefit. Best and most inexpensive. So, um, then he says... One sixteen twenty purport. We haven't decided yet. I have to talk to the devotees because it's been so rainy all day. Is he is he on the phone with you? No, he left the voicemail. I'm call him back. I can call him back in a few minutes if you like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great, thanks. Okay, yeah, sure. No yeah. Lord Jaitanya, however, has recommended only one yajna or sacrifice called the Sankirtan yajna, the chanting of Hare Krishna, in which everyone can take part. Thus, both devotees and fruitive workers can derive equal benefit from the performances of the Sankirtan yajna. So he basically Prabhupada is saying here that whether or not you're a full-on devotee or you're still caught up in the mode of passion, but they can derive equal benefit from the performance of Sankirtan Yajna. Uh, fortunately, by the grace of Lord Jaitanya, this Krishna consciousness revival, this is the uh, his, uh, this is his um, application. Fortunately, by the grace of Lord Jaitanya, this Krishna consciousness revival is made very easily simply by, simply by chanting the Hare Krishna mantra. Therefore, I advise you to chant the sublime mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, and be happy in this life without any frustrations, anxieties, worries, etc. This is practical and very easy to perform. Try it sincerely, and your life will be sublime. This is from a letter Prabhupada wrote to Anil Grover in 1970. Very nice. Thank you, Prabhu. And this is Mari Mohini. Our discovery is also from uh, the purport to text 1 through 3. For a sannyasi, the first qualification should be fearlessness, because a sannyasi has to be alone without any support or guarantee of support. He has to simply depend on the mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Understanding. A sannyasi or a person who has entered the renounced order of life depends completely on Krishna's mercy for his sustenance. He has to trust in Krishna completely, that Krishna will provide. He has to be fully convinced that Krishna, or the Supreme Personality of Godhead, in his localized aspect of Paramatma, is always within, that he has seen everything, and he always knows what one intends to do. One must thus have firm conviction that Krishna, as Paramatma, will take care of his soul surrendered to him. Application I am not a sannyasi, (laughs) but I completely trust that Krishna will take care of me in my life. And he does. Krishna provides for me. Like recently, Krishna sent the money for me to go to Rathiatra and come for Jamastami and for me to go to France and visit my sons and my mother. I completely rely on him and trust him. I will continue to do so more and more with love and great gratitude. And I will continue to do my part, which is to give money to Krishna. Very good. Thank you so much. And um, Prabhupada oftentimes said that his householders were better than the sannyasis if they completely followed the principles of devotional life. Um, so sannyas, uh, one definition of sannyas um, given in the 18th chapter of Bhagavad Gita um, is I believe um, giving up activities based on material desires. And um, so a true sannyasi is someone who, uh, whether in the household life or whatever, uh, Varna and Ashram uh, fully depends on, on Krishna and uh, engages you know, their occupation, their mind, body. Because the Tri Dandi Sannyasis, which is a Tri Dandi Sannyasi is someone in the Vaishnav tradition, they have three different um, um, sticks that they bind together, and that's their, that's their Danda. 
So this represents mind, body, and words. So we surrender mind, body, and words to God, and we're acting on like on the level of the sannyasi. You're talking about the actual yeah. pool? I've seen mm-hmm. that in L.A. Yeah. yeah. I remember it being asked like, what? So it's actually three, but it's wrapped up. The three sticks are wrapped up in a one. Uh-huh. They represent mind, body, and words. Mm-hmm. So if we, we can act like that, even if we're not externally in the um, ashram of the sannyasi, but we can still uh, be on, like, on the platform of the sannyasi. So that's very nice. And um, I'd like to share with you uh, what I had wrote. Let's see. Okay, so this is from Bhagavad Gita 16.7. In every civilized human society, there is some set of scriptural rules and regulations which is followed from the beginning, especially among the Aryans, those who adopt the Vedic civilization who are known as the most advanced civilized peoples. Those who do not follow the scriptural injunctions are supposed to be demons. Therefore, it is stated here that the demons do not know the scriptural rules, nor, th- nor do they have any inclination to follow, follow them. Most of them do not know them, and even if some of them know, they have not the tendency to follow them. They have no faith, nor are they willing to act in terms of the Vedic injunctions. The demons are not clean, either externally or internally. One should always be, be careful to keep his body clean by bathing, brushing teeth, shaving, changing clothes, etc. As far as internal cleanliness is concerned, one should always remember the holy names of God and chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. The demons neither like nor follow all these rules for external and internal cleanliness. So, understanding. Here Srila Prabhupada gives us a simple and practical application of how to engage in activities of a divine nature. If we have a willingness and some basic preliminary qualities of humility and surrender, we can accept these simple yet powerful processes to purify our existence. It is very difficult to overcome our conditioned tendencies in this world. The inauspicious influence of Kali Yuga drives our bodies, minds, and senses to act in so many objectionable ways. Practice, detachment, and determination to wholeheartedly embrace the practice of Krishna consciousness will enable us to gradually overcome these tendencies. It is said God helps those who help themselves. By accepting enthusiastically and continuing in our, in our practices with patience and determination, the beautiful qualities ascribed in verses 1-3 through three will blossom in our lives. The petals of a lotus open in their season in the same way as we mature in spiritual life, godly qualities will spring from within. This will enable us to always remain in the light of Krishna consciousness, never again shifting into the darkness of demonic tendencies. Application. Push on. Don't give up. Have faith. Do the needful. Inquire from Guru and Vaishnavas. Serve Guru and Vaishnavas. Chant prescribed rounds. Follow regulated principles. Share Krishna consciousness. Chant as much as possible. Remember Krishna. Honor Prashadam. Be clean. Be kind. Rectify tottering relationships. Don't commit offenses to devotees or other living entities. Speak about Krishna. Discuss Krishna's teachings. Hear from Srila Prabhupada. Hear from Guru. Bring heart and soul to temple programs. Detach from material tendencies. And through these processes, I pray to purify my heart, which is long soiled by absorption in matter. <laughs> long soiled. Beautiful. So, okay, so it's six after... And so we have to um, collectively make